Hey girlies, welcome back to episode 21 of The Pod. Uh, it's another Monday here out in New York. It's windy and chilly. Yeah, I went to go bike, or I went to go, you know, do my silly little jump roping on the river and I almost fell over on my bike. So I whipped a Yui and went back, just did some abs. Emma, how was your morning? Morning was lovely. I did, you know, some classic Pilates. My core is on fire. My ass is on fire. Shout out to the Bala ankle weight. <laughs> Um, I love how months ago we were shit talking the whole concept of Pilates. You know? I know. Now, now I'm, I realize that like, you know what? It's a workout that works good for my body and it doesn't leave me depleted. And I realized that I fucking hate cardio. Actually, when I was walking here to Kate's place, I was kind of being a little reflective and I was like, thank God I'm out of my cardio phase. Cause I actually fucking hated that for myself personally. Yeah. I was, you know, running was my thing. And like recently I've self-diagnosed, I have a stress fracture, so I haven't run in about like two weeks. So I've just been jump roping and vibing and lifting more weights and yeah, I don't really see any changes in my body at all ever. So um classic. I, I was I was going on the spiral where like you go through old photos um from that like was two me years yesterday ago. when I was losing my shit at work yesterday. Yeah, yesterday it was rainy and gloomy in New York. Emma and I I texted her at like nine fifty and I was like, Should I read up the string of texts? They're actually I wrote them I wrote them off to my manager yesterday. I was like, it's only nine fifty three. Like, what the fuck are we gonna do? I mean, I decided yesterday like I'm giving up men for Lent, so that's kind of been a new. I'm having withdrawals today. It's day eight um you'll see this on my instagram i think i'm kind of going through this 21 day challenge as well because it's just dry out there it's dry um what'd you make for breakfast kate uh pancakes and i'm experiencing indigestion and you know in honor of today's podcast i was like i'm seed cycling bitch you know i'm gonna buy my seeds after this podcast i'm gonna hit east village organics to get all my little seeds and toss them in a mason jar yeah it's really fun um but i would have to say like i'm supposed to get my period today and so now i'm like fuck did i do the wrong seeds like i don't know i'm gonna put seeds on top of my salad later but i am going back to minnesota later today just because my sister and her fiance are back and i literally do nothing in new york except the same thing every day and so i'm like okay cool like now that i'm taking this lent cleanse from men i'm just gonna decide to go back there and like really reflect with my cats um because i'm not communicating with men and that was kind of a reason to be in new york you know there's no that's the only reason to really ever be in new york yeah honestly i mean the apps are pretty dry as emma was saying but i did my pancakes with my little seed cycling but that brings you to today's episode and it's going to be about female hormones all those who experience a menstrual cycle anyone on the spectrum in between on any sort of gender scale here But Emma and I have a lot of info about, like, how to get your period back, what to do if, yeah, like, best strategies for, like, having optimal hormonal health, why it's important to get your period. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's a concept that a lot of the girlies and boys and CMOS, we need to figure out what we're calling, like, is it male CMOS girlies? I don't feel comfortable saying CMOS boys. The CMOS men. The CMOS men. The CMOS guys. Guys and girlies. The CMOS bros. Yeah, I don't want bro culture. I don't. I don't want bro culture either. I don't know. One dude was like, before I went on this cleanse on the dating app, was like, just I was saying like, oh my foot hurts or something. And he's like, just rub CMOS on it, right? And I was like, fuck you. Like literally, like go to jail. I- you know how you know that one episode that's been not episode that one ticked or video of like that guy and it's like white boy summer. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be CMOS summer. summer. 
Yeah, oh my god, that video is like such a mental situation. Yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, who is it? I don't even well, know. I don't even know. His name's Chet. Chet Hanks? <laughs> yeah, he's is like it Tom Hanks' son? Yeah. Oh. If, you, if you're a Twitter girly like Kate and I, you've probably seen. Yeah, I hope you've seen it. Otherwise, you've been logged off. But maybe it's good that you've been logged yeah. off. So we're going to do a little callback, and we hope you guys enjoy our newest podcast sponsor. But this is episode 21. What the fuck is CMOS? Hi, CMOS girlies. We're excited to introduce you to our newest podcast sponsor, Hilma. Hilma offers natural remedies for things like headaches, indigestions, and cold. I found Hilma when I was looking for some natural alternatives to medicine cabinet staples and pharmacy brands. Here are some of our favorite Hilma products that we've tried out. I've tried out their immune support. It's a single serving of six essential ingredients to help boost your immune system. It includes things like echinacea, vitamin C, and more. The products are formulated by doctors and holistic practitioners, so you get the best of both worlds. My favorite thing I've tried by Helma are their new elderberry immune gummies. Most gummies on the field and in the market tend to have fillers and other suspect ingredients that you don't really know what you're consuming in the products. Hilma, however, has no fillers, dyes, or synthetic sweeteners and flavors in their immune gummies, which is why they stand out to me as a consumer. Hilma really makes you feel good about what you use to feel better without the side effects or toxic mystery ingredients in their products. Also, Hilma is founded by three women who saw a need for this and got to work. We love to support that. They take ingredient transparency seriously and use the highest quality of natural ingredients. So if this sounds like a good fit for you guys, you can go to hilma.co backslash CMOS. It's spelled H-I-L-M-A dot co slash CMOS to shop all of their natural solutions and you'll get 20% off your order. You can use the code CMOS20, of course, for 20% off. And it's time for you to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade by using Hilma. Now back to the podcast. You know, Emma and I can't shut up about starting your day with the perfect oatmeal toppings. And you're probably thinking, what could be better than securing a bag of maca powder or matching with a boy who actually knows what adaptogens are? Um, hello, a large and juicy medjool date. That's why we're so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Julie's. Julie's is a pantry staple for all the wellness gods. Their hand-picked medjool dates from Coachella Valley, California are certified USDA organic, naturally vegan, and free of all allergens. There is no better way to snack on Jolie's than with your favorite nut butter or on a bowl of oats. And Jolie's even has a date syrup to drizzle on a stack of pancakes. So if you want to taste some Jolie's for yourself, definitely use code CMOSGIRLIES for 15% off your first order. Now back to the show. Okay, let's get into the period stuff. So we're going to define the four parts of your cycle. These are going to be some big words. Emma has going to break it up into like the more scientific stuff, but this is just the basics that you should know about if you have a menstrual cycle. So the first stage is menstruation, and then it goes to your follicular phase, ovulation, and then your luteal phase. And there's different ways that you might feel in each part of your cycle if your hormones are stable. Thus, that's why we're kind of having this podcast episode because there's different lifestyle habits that you should tap into with nutrition and movement and diet to optimize your hormonal health. So menstruation is pretty obvious. I think it's the first day you bleed. Your typical period should be three to seven days and you're probably going to be a little bit low energy during this phase just because your body is going through a lot. Next is your flickier phase, then your ovulatory phase, and that's ovulation is when you could get pregnant so like that's kind of when you're you know you could conceive a child possibly and then lastly is the luteal phase and that's when you're going to experience most pms symptoms um just generally in the second part of your cycle and so there's two main parts within your cycle which is the follicular and then the luteal phase so the follicular phase is going to be days one through 13 roughly depending on how long your typical cycle is And this is the time between the first day of your menstruation and then it ends right kind of right before your ovulation day. 
And during this phase, estrogen rises as your ovaries prepare to release an egg. And then the next is going to be the luteal phase, and that is days 15 through 28. So that is the days between your ovulation day and then before the start of your period. And during this phase, this is when estrogen will continue to rise and the uterine lining thickens as progesterone also begins to rise. And so a little definition of like what hormones are, I'm sure we all learned this maybe in like health education class in fifth grade and then it was like never talked about again. Yeah, who knows but, what your sex yeah, really, is like. Really. Um, but so hormones are mo- molecules that are produced by the endocrine system and released from glands within your body that send messages to our body and help regulate your body's processes. And so women and men have something called a circadian rhythm, but women also have something that is known as the infradian rhythm. This was kind of coined by, I think, Alyssa VT from Flow Living. This is how I kind of learned about it. Um, mm-hmm. I was listening to a few podcasts featuring her. And the infradian rhythm is a menstruation cycle. The menstruation cycle is a monthly infradian rhythm. And so this infradian rhythm can impact our sleep, metabolism, stress response, and reproduction system. And within the infradian rhythm, like I said, it can impact our metabolism. So our metabolism is going to speed up and down depending on times of our cycle. So I know like for me, right before I'm going to get my period, just like most other people, a common symptom is to feel extra hungry during this time. And that's because your metabolism is speeding up. And then it can also create a 25% change in a woman's brain chemistry throughout this infradian rhythm. And so the best way to kind of monitor monitor this is through tracking your menstrual cycle, which we will get into later on in the podcast and why it's important to do so. And then also just like paying attention slash paying, placing importance on the infradian rhythm can help us better understand what slash when to eat, how to exercise, cope with stress, and also work productively throughout this rhythm. And I think this is just a really great way to optimize your health and just be more in tune with your body. And it'll kind of be able to help you understand why you're experiencing certain symptoms or changes throughout the course of the cycle. Yeah. And Alyssa video, like we've said, is a great resource. And so she kind of, whenever she speaks about menstrual cycle, I think her biggest shift for me that applied to my personal life was how to move throughout your cycle. I think for a lot of women that grew up playing sports, you kind of do the same thing every day. You know, you can't just like not go to your tournament if you're on your period. And I think that's like a masculine kind of like coaching environment thing. That's for like a lot of competitive environments. Um, And so basically like there's certain ways that you want to move throughout your cycle. So like waking up at 5 a.m. kind of like how, you know, CEO cultures, like all those stupid books that are like, you got to wake up at 3 a.m. fast, go on a two mile run, start your day or start eating at noon or something like that. That CEO drive does not apply to the modern woman and like the women's hormones. And so that might be like why you can't succeed biologically based on like what our modern workforce is structured like. So for movement, I'm going to break it down into two phases, just like the first part of your cycle, the second part of your cycle. So during your follicular phase, this is going to be like the first day after your menstruation stops. During your period, when you are on menstruation, it's going to be pretty like random as to like how severe your symptoms are. My period is pretty light, so I can tend to move throughout my cycle, but that's going to be something that you can like, I think, challenge within what you're already doing. Um, Like if you've never 
you know, run a marathon, don't just go do it because this part of your cycle, you're supposed to do steady state cardio. And if you've never done yoga, maybe implement it. But if you like hate doing yoga like me, I'm not going to do yoga for two weeks because it's my certain part of my cycle. But so adapting the parts of your movement that you already do with these things. So follicular phase, your energy is going to be at its peak. So right after you are done bleeding, you might want to tap into things like HIIT workouts or just like higher intensity movements your body's going to be kind of craving that challenge versus other parts of your cycle like the luteal phase which is phase two where your body's going to crave more relaxed movements steady state cardio is really optimal during this time period also doing things like yoga and stretching and it's just because your body is doing a lot internally to prepare for the next menstruation cycle which is why it makes sense to tone down your movement then for food so saying this with a disclaimer because i think eating differently for each part of your cycle could be very orthorexic and very insane. I don't do this particularly. I think there's some things I do like seed cycling, which I'm going to get into a little bit, but if you're buying your food based on like what part of this, like I'm only going to eat spinach in week one. No one has time to do that. And I think that all of these like prescriptions for like optimal health are like You only probably can do this if you're a single person with money and you work in a place where you can like control all your meals and everything. So like this doesn't apply, I think, to most people. So I think take this where you could implement it into your life. And I think to go into that, it also kind of then strays away from intuitive eating in the sense of like maybe you fucking hate spinach, but then it's like you see, oh, I need to be eating spinach during this time in my cycle. But like you shouldn't have to torture yourself to eat certain things that you don't want to eat. Um, So just something to keep in mind. Yeah. And this is more, I would say for once again, like optimal health, but for regular health, like you should just be, I think, aware of your cycle. And like, this is just kind of an extra thing that you could tap into, especially if you are having an irregular cycle, you might have to do more of these things. So in your menstrual phase or your part phase one, you're going to want to do anti-inflammatory foods. This is because your body's going through a lot of stress to produce a cycle. Iron and zinc rich foods are going to be really important during this time because you are losing blood, which is the main store of your iron in your body. So the foods that are kind of recommended are going to be things like root vegetables, dark leafy greens. Once again, take this all with a grain of salt because if you want to eat those throughout all the month, be my guest. During your luteal phase, you're going to want to have what are called like liver-loving foods and fiber. So your body is going to be detoxifying. I'm using that word in a scientific way, not like you need to go on a juice cleanse, um, because it's just preparing your uterine lighting for the next cycle, which is why it's going through natural detoxification. So things like cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, antioxidants, rich berries and protein are going to be very critical. And then the very last part before, this is, I would say, the when I pay attention to my cycle the most is like right before I'm about to get my next period because I know if I under eat, I don't eat enough dietary fats, I'm too stressed out, it could impact my next cycle just because I know my hormones are very sensitive. So from days 21 to 28, you could be experiencing PMS symptoms as we mentioned, magnesium is going to be very important during this part of your cycle, as we love to talk about at all these points, but try to scale back on your caffeine in your luteal phase, because that's going to be something which depletes your body of its natural stores of magnesium. If you're already not supplementing magnesium, you definitely should in either like powder or pill form. We talk about it a lot. Um, Get yourself some magnesium, girlies. Yeah, get some pills or something like that. Food sources for magnesium are not going to be enough, but like things like nuts and seeds, leafy greens, avocado, chocolate, and bananas... And you're going to want to boost your healthy fat intake as your body needs to prepare for this next period. And I think dietary fat is just something that's consistently very important to tap into. Um, We'll talk about this more later, but when we talk about like why some women tend to lose their period and if you have too low of a dietary fat intake, that can be a huge reason why. 
that whole like era of you know high carb low fat veganism and all the, like the low fat shit in the nineties. Not your friend. No, not your friend at all. So this is going to be our prescription for seed cycling. We've gotten so many DMs like, what are these seeds? What is this? So it's a kind of, you know, like a newer trend, I would say. Once again, you guys could say, oh, it's not backed by science, whatever. I don't know. It's, it works for a lot of women that practice holistic remedies. So just take everything we're saying like, yeah, okay, some doctor's not going to prescribe you to seed cycle, but there's a lot of women that have, so I'm not discounting that knowledge. I do this shit. So you're going to be eating a variety of nuts and seeds in conjunction with the two bigger parts of your cycle. So starting at the follicular phase, phase one, the two seeds you're going to incorporate are going to be flax seeds and pumpkin seeds, and this is going to be from day one to 14. So you can take one tablespoon of each and put them on your oats, put them on pancakes, salads. I don't really, you know, eat them with some peanut butter and a date, stuff it in there. Um, And the reason to do so is because it'll inhibit the production of excess estrogen, improve progesterone levels while boosting your omega-3 fatty acid intake. So what I've been doing and what Emma's going to do later today as she goes to EV Organic is taking two different mason jars and like combining which seeds should go in each so you remember. Otherwise, like I don't want to check my app every day, be like, what part of my cycle am I in? On day 15, you're going to switch it up. This is going to be your luteal phase. You're going to want to switch over to having sunflower and sesame seeds until the next cycle, so until you menstruate again. Sesame is going to block the excess estrogen, while sunflower seeds support the liver in the detoxification detoxification process, as I mentioned earlier. And make sure with all of these that you're using organic, raw, freshly freshly ground nuts and seeds because you don't want to add additional toxins into your body but this is something that i've been loving i think it's just making me really conscious of what part of my cycle i'm in and then that kind of translates over to like for me with movement and for me with like okay the second part of my cycle i'm going to be a lot hungrier that's okay like follow your hunger cues versus phase one where i might be craving to do you know like some hit workouts that i might not be as hungry or something like that so just another way to be conscious of what you're doing and it's really fun i don't know it's fun to have cute little mason jars So the next part, we're going to talk about why you need to have a period, some period tracking advice, and get into all of that. Okay, and we're back. I hope you enjoyed our little ad reads. So now we're going to get into the importance of just like having your period and cycle and why you should consider tracking if you don't. I know for the longest time I wasn't tracking. Same. Like I don't feel like I really started tracking maybe until like a year or two ago, which is like kind of crazy because I just feel like it's... women are just expected to like kind of know when your period's gonna come yeah I didn't even know what the word ovulation meant until like right weeks ago yeah I think and yeah me same um so anyway period tracking device advice um I use flow there's plenty of other apps out there I know Kate also uses flow and why it's important to track it's because it's you can be more in tune with your body and you can have a better understanding of your own unique patterns because everyone's period is going to be different Everyone's going to experience different type of symptoms. Everyone's cycles are going to be at different lengths. And it's also a great way to know when you're going to ovulate. So this is really important, I think, just to be safe when you're having sex, whether you're trying to conceive or not. If you are trying to have a baby, then you know, like, this is going to be when you're most fertile. So, like, maybe wanting to try to have sex during that window of time. And then if you're not trying to, and especially if you're not on birth control, avoiding having sex during that time so you don't spiral. Yeah. Um, and it's also, again, just like a great tool to better understand why you are experiencing mood swings, increasing hung- increased hunger and sex drive. So you're not like freaking out. I think especially if you have come in from a place of like eating disorders or just like can get really triggered by like food, you know, when you are just constantly hungry all the time during like a few days of your cycle. 
I know for me, like tracking and knowing that like, okay, I am going to be more hungry during this time. It like helps me just like mentally prepare for that. Yeah. And so what's considered a regular cycle? The global average is about 28 days, but again, it's going to vary from woman to woman based on just different factors. And so 21 to 38 is still considered a regular or normal cycle. If you're experiencing something that's shorter than that, or it's much longer than that is perhaps a sign that you should maybe see a doctor or just take a look at your like health. Yep. And the next part is going to be in getting into what, okay, I don't have a cycle. The term of that is going to be called amenorrhea. The formal definition is the absence of periods that can, that has causes that aren't due to underlying disease. So if you're pregnant, you're technically amenorrheic because you're, you have a child, but this is going to be talking about the times when you should be having a regular cycle. So some brief definitions to get into it. Primary amenorrhea, that's going to be, you never got your period. So that's like, you're an eight year old girl and you don't have your period yet. Nothing to worry about there. Secondary amenorrhea you got your period at one point and now you are no longer getting a regular cycle. A more specific type of secondary amenorrhea is going to be called HA or hypothalamic amenorrhea. This is going to be due to often not eating enough. So you, your energy levels are low over exercising. And based on that, because your body is expounding so much energy and not getting enough nutrients in, you are going to lose your period. So this was the case for me when I had my eating disorder. I did not take getting my period seriously until maybe a year ago. Same. Um, I didn't take it seriously because I would go to doctors and they're like, okay, you play sports. That's fine that you don't have your period and they brush it off. A lot of women get this advice. Most of the time it's a lot of like runners and swimmers and endurance athletes and volleyball is not that case, but I still wasn't getting it. Also, another thing that I realized like growing up, I think more into college when I wasn't getting a consistent period is like, okay, well then I don't have to have, I didn't, I was always happy because my friends would talk about like, oh, I'm on my period. I have such bad cramps. I just want to lay in bed all day. And I was like, well, I don't get my period. And so like, I don't have any bad parts of the month. You know, it's all chill for me. And also like, I don't have to worry about getting pregnant because I don't even have a period. So I, yeah. And I had like the same exact thoughts yeah. when I didn't have my period, especially when I was in college. Yeah. You're definitely able to be like sexually active without worried about it, but there's going to be somehow health consequences that are irreversible that are very serious which I want everyone to like be educated about like that was I wish I really tapped into this earlier than later so what I was diagnosed with which I'm sure a lot of women that are probably listening to the podcast might have experienced is something which is called the female athlete triad so it's a combination of three different things disordered eating is going to be the first one so this could be binging purging eating disorder or just under eating um, amenorrhea, that's going to be the loss of your menstruation. And the last step is going to be osteoporosis, which is a low bone density. So the reason that your bones are starting to get brittle is obviously because your energy intake is too low and you are overcompensating for your body. And because of the disordered eating and amenorrhea, it leads to this. And another thing that I was, when I was researching like HA specifically, hypothalamic amenorrhea, is that women with HA, when they did like a psychological study of these women, they have more dysfunctional attitudes such as perfectionist behavior and extra attention to the judgment of others in comparison to their counterparts. So for instance, amenorrheic women generally express greater concern for their physical appearance. They fear gaining weight, which both impacts their eating habits and their stress. So this is another thing like you could also have a normal BMI and just be a little bit stressed and lose your period as well. I was never at like a low BMI because I had muscle mass, which masked the point that like my body fat was too low. So I just wanted to like put that out there that if you're not quote like what I think a lot of us envision someone that has an eating disorder to look like, i.e. really skinny, really like no muscle in their body, you know, 
you still could have underlying health conditions unless you take this seriously. So some symptoms of having an irregular cycle you should be concerned about in addition to amenorrhea is if you've skipped periods or they've stopped entirely, your periods are irregular, you bleed for more than seven days, your periods are less than 21 days or more than 35 days apart, and you bleed between periods. So it's heavier than a spotting occasionally throughout your cycle, but you're having like multiple periods in a month. So here's kind of the wake up call that I feel very like passionate about is like the importance of having a stable cycle is that the short term consequences of amenorrhea are going to be things like low estrogen, hair thinning, brittle nails, skin problems, low libido, vagina dryness. So you could have some of that. You could have none of that. And once again, the short term consequences here, they don't seem that alarming. It's like, okay, well, it's an internal thing. I don't even know if my estrogen is low or high right now. But there's going to be some long-term trends that are going to be really problematic if you are a woman coming of age. So first of all, the reason that you lose your menstrual cycle is because reproduction is not going to be essential to survival. So it's the first signal to the body to shut this off in times of illness or stress when you think back to us as hunters and gatherers. For, you will lose your fertility over time, which is going to be your ability to have kids. So if you want to have kids when you're 30 and you don't have your period when you're 25... It's you could have a lot um, a higher rate of having miscarriages or just not be able to conceive at all. The next one is going to be like the biggest health effect is you could develop osteopenia. So this I've talked about it earlier, but this is like having a really low bone density. And if you get it at a young age, it could debilitate your future body and your ability to even like go on walks and move in the future. If it develops into something which is called osteoporosis, which is like the later term trend of this, it is not irreversible. So if you have osteopenia right now, like this is a wake up call that you could reverse your trajectory because you don't want to be, you know, a 40 year old woman getting hip surgery because you completely just like thinned out your bones. Um, You're going to be at a greater risk of hip and wrist fractures, too. And so once you become amenorrheic, the Also, another thing to keep in consideration, because it's a lot of women that are very active and concerned with muscle mass, like my mileage and my running, like how is your physical performance? If you become amenorrheic, the protective effect of exercise is lost. For example, I went to get my like all of this, you know, hormonal testing, blood work, etc. And they were like, you know, it doesn't even look like you work out because your bone density is so low. And so to date, there is no evidence that high intensity exercise is going to be protective to your bone mass. So all of that exercise that you're really stressed out about doing enough and you're probably overdoing, you're not even getting the benefits of it anyways. And so women with HIA have also significantly higher depression scores, greater anxiety, and increased difficulty to coping with the daily stressors of life as compared to other healthy women. So this leads to the next point of, okay, how do I get my period back? Often doctors will give you the answer of going on hormonal birth control. And doctors put women on you know, birth control because they don't have a regular cycle. But the reason this is problematic is because it masks the fact that you have underlying health conditions. You know, your underlying hormonal balances are going unaddressed. If you don't have your period, birth control pills are just masking the problem and it's not going to help reverse your osteopenia at all. So when you don't have a regular cycle, it's producing a fake bleed. And so that's kind of why the doctors can check the box and like make it look like they have like some young woman that now has all of her hormonal things fixed. But at the same time, like you're not actually addressing the health concern. So we're going to get into some alternatives to the pill. The biggest one I would advise is just condoms if you are sexually active. The next one is natural birth control. I've never personally tried it. Yeah, so there's something called the copper IUD, which is a non-hormonal form of birth control. Another thing that you have perhaps maybe heard is 
something called natural family planning. And I know that sounds like kind of like weird. religious or like yeah. weird. My mom actually talked to me about this when I was considering maybe going on birth control, but I was a little worried. So some of like the symptoms and horror stories that I feel like you always hear. Yeah. And so this is um, where you're relying on observations of the woman's body and menstrual cycle, such as basal temperature and cervical mucus during certain times of your month, you're going to experience an increase in basal temperature, or you're going to experience more mucus coming or releasing from the vagina. And so the biggest thing is obviously like you're not going to have sex on the days that you could get pregnant, or if you are trying to get pregnant, you would then have sex on these, um, during these days of your cycle. And so again, it's just kind of like, if you're already tracking your period and aren't on birth control, you're basically already doing this, but it's just like paying really close attention to the symptoms um, or signs that your body is producing. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that do this. It's not once again, that hard. It does sound really weird and like religious or like complicated to think about like, oh gosh, I need to know every part of my cycle and every phase. And you measure your temperature when you wake up and like it's there's people that do it. I'm sure you could search YouTube and find people that do this successfully. So and also it's like affordable, like you don't pay for like to get birth control if you just do like natural family planning, I guess. Yeah. So I would say if you're an adolescence and you're someone who doesn't have their period, I would like once again, we're not doctors. And I would say go to your doctor to get your hormones checked. Mm -hmm. You also could just have a random one off thing while you don't have your period. But if you know that okay, I might have a little bit of disordered eating coming back or I have had an eating disorder or I feel like I'm too active or I don't know if I'm even eating enough, go to your doctor, get a hormonal panel, get blood work and see what they advise. If they put you on the pill, this, I mean, it could be problematic because then you're not dealing with your underlying health conditions, but we just want you to be like an advocate for yourself when it comes to it. I mean, I wasn't sexually active until I was like 20, so I didn't really need to think about this until I was off into college, but there are, there are alternatives out there to the pill that can work for you. So the next session is going to be about how to get your period back, some general advice, and just other things that I think Emma and I think you guys should know about. Okay, now we're going to get into our advice on how to get your period back. Once again, we are not licensed health professionals, But the main factors that you can control to get your period back are going to be looking at your weight, stress, level of activity, and dietary choices. So overall, if you're amenorrhea and you think that it accompanies some form of an eating disorder, whether you feel like you entirely have symptoms of any eating disorder or not, you should go to a professional for health or for help. Oh my God. And basically I would say like, go to your doctor and check your estrogen progesterone levels. You will just get a full hormonal panel. You're not going to be able to like pinpoint which ones you want exactly. You also can get like a blood test. So maybe go to an OBGYN or a doctor. I went to my primary care doctor for this. Some other ways to get your period back. Um, again, just like reducing stress and stopping like with like exercising or really intense movements, you know, just kind of focusing on self care and not like overworking yourself Mm -hmm. and then eating more regularly and stopping the cycles of like binge slash purge. And you may need to track your calories to be in a surplus if you are under eating or if you are underweight. And I definitely recommend seeing some sort of like nutritionist or like nutritional therapist. I know for me, when I was seeing a nutritional therapist, that really helped me. And I felt like I could like really trust her in the process of like eating more food. And I felt more safe speaking to someone who's a professional and who has helped so many other girls experience this. And they will kind of create a roadmap for you on how to increase your food intake. So it's not like you're just, you know, consuming so many calories all at once. I know when I was first trying to address my eating disorder and get my period back. It was just like, okay, Emma, you're going to eat like 
a scoop of ice cream every night. And then it's like four months went on and I like didn't have my periods. So then I was like, okay, Emma, you're gonna eat like half a pint of ice cream. And that kind of led into a cycle of binge eating because I just like wasn't getting my period and I was so frustrated. And I know that like my doctor was kind of like, if you don't get your period within this time window, you are gonna be put on like hormonal birth control. My mom didn't really want that for me at the time. And so I think there's definitely more practical solutions and actual ways to address weight gain that won't trigger you. Yeah, and I think, for example, if you've had an eating disorder, like, the reason that you have it is you're controlling your food. Mm -hmm. So now if you have to create a roadmap of increasing your calories, you're not going to do it. You're not. not, This is the one thing you've been avoiding. And that's, I think, any time, like... People are like, well, you just need to make the change. No, the reason that you have been depriving yourself of food, restricting food, over-exercising is because you are so scared of gaining weight. So if you have to fucking gain weight, you need someone else to tell you to do it. For me, I was like, I'm not following this shit. I can just do whatever I want. I can just go run tomorrow. I'm going to get it back. And until I got slapped in the face with this fucking test, they just threw on a table and they're like, you have the bone density of an 80-year-old woman. I was like, no, I'm higher than God. Like, no one can tell me that I need to gain weight. I'm going to keep doing my stupid shit. So... Until you start to consider the long-term health risks from not getting your period and getting someone else fucking tell you that, you're probably not going to change anything, right? Like, it's hard to step out of a habit. So the next part that I think is really critical, that's a pretty easy shift to make, a lot of plant-based people, I feel like, well, who knows? The concept is eating a higher-fat diet. Uh, High-carb, low-fat veganism. Uh, Trauma for many of us uh, Mm -hmm. who follow the meme pager in Geneva, etc., causes many women to lose their cycle because your dietary fat is so low. You know, we could go through You're all that. You're only eating potatoes and fruit. Like, no shit. Yeah, 80-10-10, raw till four, like, fearing oil. I cook with oil now and I feel great. Same. But this is going to be something that you can control, but it's really scary. And some advice, I think, on inc- increasing your fat of your diet Going to foods that are first safe, I would say, like, nut butter always felt safe for me. I don't know why. Now it kind of is, like, not safe for me because I think that I was overeating it just because I was, like, so deprived of other nutrients my body would crave to go towards it. If oils are scary for you, I would say maybe try nut butters Coconut yogurt. Yeah, get some raw nuts in there. Go to tahini, hummus, avocado, Someone asked this in Geneva the other day about, like, other fat sources because it can get boring if you're plant-based to just eat, like, nuts all day. But that's going to be something that can help you get back your period. For example, with me, I was eating more calories. Like, they just told me to eat, like, X amount more, and I still wasn't getting it back, and it was because I was eating just, like, fucking potatoes. Like, freely the banana girl told me to do. And I noticed that I was able to feel more satiated and I got my period back a lot faster once I started to eat a higher fat diet versus just focusing on calories. Yeah, another thing that I noticed when I did go down the HCLF veganism (laughs) path was also like my acne was so bad and it's because um, nuts are really like not just like nuts but like all like fat sources are really good and important for like healthy glowing skin and I just remember like always having like the worst whiteheads and like just like constantly breaking out all the time and once I started increasing my fat intake like truly I'm not saying it all went away because I still experience hormonal acne but it like isn't as bad as it was back in the day when I was literally just eating like carbs yeah and it makes sense anytime you isolate like one nutrient your body's like not getting everything and I think there's certain ways to obviously like if you want to go talk to a nutritionist or a physical trainer and they give you some sort of diet plan about macros and you want to follow that 
go ahead and do it. But if you're just a girl that is like, you know, trying to get her period back, I would say focusing on high fat diets could be helpful. Like I think the whole protein myth is a def- is or the eating so much protein you're going to be deficient. That's a myth. Carbs are in everything. Like the whole keto thing, like you need to weigh your broccoli and you can't have more than this many kilos. <laughs> like fuck that. Just I I think I making think just diet like letting easy. yourself yeah, eat a variety of plants and foods is the most important thing yeah and so we got a lot of questions about like pms advice cramps bloating it's gonna be so individual some people have periods where they can't get out of bed for me i certain parts of my period i like feel worse i guess i feel bloated i can't digest food as well or i crave chocolate at this time of the month so that's going to be something that's very specific for you i know there's a lot of like teas and yoga that can be helpful for me i experience like back ache and so i often will just do like a lot of stretches to kind of alleviate that i don't really take any like advil to address it i also experience bloating and so you know we talked about in the bloating episode ways that you can alleviate it so i just try to ensure that i drink a lot of water and less caffeine and just eat more like fiber rich foods to kind of help promote just like good digestion. But also it's like, you gotta remember it's normal. Like everyone's gonna experience this. And like when I do experience these crazy symptoms, I'm like, okay, it's gonna be for three days, four days. Then you're just like back onto your normal silly little life. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that deep. I don't know. I think this question of like, how can I entirely avoid bloating or or cramps or anything? You can't. Like every woman on the earth probably experiences something, some form of discomfort from being a woman. So like learning to live with it, I think is something that's like a maturity thing. I I knew for a while I was very uncomfortable anytime I was bloated because when I was playing volleyball, like you just felt like a, a whale or like a balloon or something if you had any form of bloating. And now I'm like, okay, I wear a different part of my pants if I'm bloated and I move on with my fucking day. Yeah, and no one's gonna fucking notice if you're bloated or not. Yeah, sadly, like, no one will notice. Men will not notice. No, I can't even say the word men. I'm on Lent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next one, we got questions about hormonal acne. This is something, I have a lot of chin acne, and it's been driving me crazy. I joked early in the pandemic that God created the pandemic so my chin acne would never get fucking solved, because wearing a mask all the time has just increased it. Um, But we're gonna be doing a full episode about skin and wellness and health and the good brain access and all this (laughs) shit. Shit because it's a cool topic and I think a lot of us wellness girlies are probably interested in it. I for one want to stop buying skincare products entirely. I'm like kind of tired of that. Um, so I want to create you know rituals and routines that can support me getting better skin with yeah. food and nutrition. Um, some brands, you know, there's going to just be all of your, your adaptogen dust brands that can help, you know, stabilize hormones, increase your libido. Yeah. All that shit. Like you guys know, you know what maca powder is, you know what magnesium is. We're not going to fucking tell you. I mean, we can, but like at this point, if you don't be knowing, pack it up, pack it up at this point. (laughs) We've been podcasting for 21 episodes. Y'all just go listen to some shit, but there are two brands that I personally like love and I will plug because I think they're really cool. Fazy Co. So they make seed cycle blends. So if you're lazy as fuck, or if you don't have access to them, you can go on their website and they have cute little bags that say like this part of my cycle. And they have some education on their website too, about like what happens to your estrogen and progesterone levels at different parts of your cycle. The next one is Elix Healing. So I was put onto them because it was a tincture brand and I was like, okay, this is interesting for cycle balance. So you take a quiz on their website and it kind of asks you like, how long is your cycle? What are the symptoms you experience? Goes through a series of steps about your individualized cycle. And from that point, they create a tincture that is going to have different herbs that they think could benefit your cycle. So like if you're getting a really heavy cycle, it's going to be very different than someone who's not getting a cycle at all. 
I think personalized health is the future. So I think like this website and this resource was really interesting for me. Uh, they also have a few other just like general tinctures you can take, um, like a ginger aid. There's like a, a get well tincture thing. And it uses a lot of like Ayurvedic herbs and Eastern medicine practices. So that could be a fun one. Um, I just like, it's cool because I think you take the cycle balance, the seven days up to your cycle. So for me, it's like a mental signal, you know, just increasing more awareness of when your cycle is and what part you're supposed to be in is something that's really helpful. So I like knowing that when I take the cycle, I have like, or start taking their tincture. I have seven more days until I get my cycle. Um, next up books. So we already talked about Alyssa Vitti. Her book is woman code. I think she has another one called flow. Yeah. And also I haven't read either. Um, I've listened to a few podcasts featuring her, but also just their website flow living has a lot of incredible articles that you can still get a lot of great information on. If you don't want to go out and buy a book, I recommend just going onto their website. Um, cause you can get a lot of information and insight from that. Yeah. And also on the flow period app, is that affiliated with them? I don't think think so but, but they, the flow period app does have really great resources yeah and you can upgrade it's like really expensive i was looking at it, it was like a hundred dollars a year i was like i care but like not really <laughs> i like i think i can find this on the internet in my rabbit holes um and then another book is that i've not read but i've gotten a lot of recs to read it it's like 500 pages long it's called taking charge of your fertility so this is a lot about i think if you want to get into natural family family planning and you want to conceive kids one day this could be a good book for you. I think it gets into all of like the basal temperature that you need to have every single part of your cycle. Um, so those are two resources, and I'm sure there's a lot more out there. There's a podcast by this one woman. Yeah, I'm gonna. Named, I was actually gonna pull it up. I'll pull it up real quick. What's her name? Um, Betty. It's. I think it's like the Betty podcast. Um, Better with Dr. Stephanie. Yeah. Um, she talks a lot about like how to optimize your cycle and how to like eat and like exercise during your menstrual cycle. And yeah, she kind of like touches on like the menstrual cycle in every single one of her episodes. So if you are interested in maybe listening to a podcast to gain insider knowledge, it's a pretty good thing to listen to. Yeah. And different topics too. I think she speaks about, you know, like PCOS, which we didn't get into in this podcast because I'm not on experience with that. Um, and other, you know, like ovary ovarian cysts and all these like more medical things she really gets into in her show mm-hmm. but yeah we did it episode 21 is in the books hopefully you know we could help you this helps you know lay out and help you understand what the fuck like different cycles are yeah how to optimize your health i think the most important thing is just like to honor your body in the cycle you know don't beat yourself up if you are like super hungry for a few days and you're like what the fuck like why am i super hungry like i've been eating the same amount like your body just needs a little bit more calories during some parts of your cycle and that's okay yeah and if you want to if you wake up and your legs feel like bricks and you just don't want to work out that could be why i mean maybe just go on a silly walk and listen to the pod (laughs) one of our favorite activities but yeah you don't feel like you have to burden yourself through the same like high intensity shit every part of the month Mm -hmm. like i think women really need to tap into like this is almost biohacking for women i've (laughs) seen some people call this to be like biohacking if you're seed cycling and tracking your cycle because you're trying to get into an optimal stage of health you're gonna feel a lot better and it's something that you want to take care of before it gets to a serious point where some of these health factors become irreversible i know that's what forced me to wake up and get my shit back together and i'm supposed to be getting my period today so i hope she comes um she comes too i'm yeah like i said experiencing my ovulation stage right now and so then i will be going into the luteal phase nice and slowly Emma's gonna be hungry in the next few days gonna be extra hungry you'll probably start experiencing the symptoms again even though I feel like I was just experiencing the symptoms yeah Uh, see that's the thing about periods too like it happens every month so like if you feel shitty just you're gonna feel shitty next month too so it's it's fine like it's 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 a cycle duh um what else was I gonna say about life 
And I'm excited to get my seeds, though. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, if you are seed cycling now, definitely snag a pic and tag us on Instagram because um, we want to see all of our girlies. I'm sure y'all will see my sexy little mason jars filled with pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds and chia seeds and flax seeds and hemp seeds. Just tell us, like, DM us your mysterious mysterious experience going into the bulk section and just getting, like, small quantities of various seeds. I don't know why the day when I did it, I was like, I looked at my clock and I was like, oh my god, this is going to take me forever. It took two minutes. But I was I like... I think I'm just, like, lazy to get, like, sesame seeds yeah. or whatever is the other seed that you need. Yeah. And, like, what the fuck's a pepita? <laughs> what the fuck is pepita? Yeah, I call it a pumpkin seed, bitch. But, yeah, I was like, why do I need to go get pepitas? What are pepitas? Like, I have no idea. Uh, so I hope your journey of finding your little seeds will be going swell. Yeah, Kate's going to gift me some of her food products in her fridge since she's leaving tonight. This is our favorite activity. When one of us goes home, the other one's like, do you want like, you know, kimchi, an avocado, half a jar of kimchi, four eggs, maybe like a handful of nuts. Yeah. Emma, just take my Brazil nuts. Oh, I should pack Brazil nuts to go home. Fuck. Ugh. I love packing in a stressful situation, but then I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to bring my tincture. I will never forget to bring my tincture, but you guys get the vibes. So if you like today's episode, please give us a, a review in the Apple Podcast Store. Yeah. It means a lot to us. Don't forget to join Geneva if you haven't already. There's so many great conversations constantly flowing and going through the platform. And who knows? You could meet some girls in your town that you didn't know existed, and then you guys could go get a picnic and uh, a lot of cute things planned for the things. future. But, you know, next week, uh, episode 22 is going to be Hot Girl Summer Part 2. We've already recorded it. So <laughs> if you're looking for more chatty stuff, don't worry. We can do both. I'm going to yeah. have a range. We have figured out how to do both, and we're hyped. Yeah, we're hyped. You guys are going to love that episode, and we hope you guys have a good week ahead. Peace and love. Thank you for listening to What the Fuck is CMOS.